This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers better help and the biggest loser had a baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Logical Weight Loss Podcast, episode number 69. Today, we're going to talk about reading food labels and why it's important to track your progress. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to achieving your fitness goals. Our website is LogicalLoss.com. All right, welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'm very glad you're here. I am Dave Jackson, weighing in today at 205. Very proud about that, down two pounds. And uh, on today's show, I've got another kind of a story motivational story. I know we hate to track our calories. It's a pain in the butt. It takes it, it and what's funny is if you actually take a watch and time yourself how much it takes to put in your entire day's stuff, it's like three, four minutes probably. It's just a hassle. And the bad thing is I know this week I've not been as religious and when I go back at the end of the night and I'll just I'll just put it in at the end of the night. That's a bad habit to get into. Because I was amazed that, oh yeah, I did eat that. And oh, you know what? I had two fruit bars. I forgot about that. And it, do it as you do it. It will definitely keep you on track. I was listening to Jillian Michaels' radio show. And I wish I could remember which one it was. Unfortunately, I deleted it before I could uh, play it for you. But a woman called in and said, you know, I just hate tracking my calories. Big pain. And she said, if you want to lose weight, you have to track your calories. You have to. She said, now, everybody that tells you you can lose weight, you don't have to exercise, you don't have to track your calories, but they're just trying to sell you a product. She says, anybody that is serious about losing their weight, you have to track your calories. It's not, it doesn't take that much time, and you have to track your calories. So I'm going to talk about that right after this. Look, money is tight, and I know we're all trying to earn money and save money. That's why you've got to check out ShopWorld.com. Now, ShopWorld is S-H-O-P-W-U-R-L-D. Are your children involved in schools where the budget has cut the... I know my uh, high school locally, you've got to pay now to play football. All sorts of things have been cut, and you're tired of selling candy bars, which are unhealthy anyway, and all this other stuff. They can sign up for ShopWorld.com, and when you go there, you're going to need a referrer ID. Write this down, RR. 6EH2. That's RR6EH2 because other organizations such as the Special Olympics, the National Kidney Foundation, the Mental Health Foundation, the Ronald McDonald House, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, the Police Athletic League, Arthritis Foundation, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I could go on and on and on. It's a great way to earn money simply by referring your friends and when they spend around 20 bucks a month, you earn commission on that. You don't have to sell anything like Amway or Avon. It doesn't cost anything to join like Avon. You don't have to buy any product up front like Avon. It sounds like a pyramid scheme. It is a pyramid setup. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's completely legal. I've checked it out. Go to shopworld.com. Again, that's S-H-O-P-W-U-R-L-D. And when it asks you for the SWID, which is known as the Shop World ID, enter RR6EH2. Check it out. Watch the videos. It'll answer everything for you at shopworld.com. And I forgot to mention that if you're just an average Joe, it uh, it works fine for you, especially the key to that, the catch. Because everybody's like, what's the catch? If you buy things online on a regular basis during the month, this is for you. If you never do, it's not. 
All right, so we talked about tracking your food, tracking your fitness, basically keeping score. And this is from the book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Really one of my favorite books that's coming along. I, I can just open this up and find all sorts of great inspirational things. He's the guy behind the chicken soup for the soul. He says, remember when you were growing up, your mom and dad measured you every few months and kept track of your height on the wall, probably near the pantry. Ours was actually in the doorway between the kitchen and the living room. Um, it was something visible that let you know where you stood in relation to the past and to your future goal, which of course was usually to be as tall as your mom and dad. And it let you know that you were making progress. It encouraged you to eat right, drink your milk, eat your veggies, and keep on going. Well, successful people keep the same kind of measurements. They keep score of exciting progress, positive behavior, financial gain, anything they want more of, they keep track of. In his groundbreaking book, The Game of Work, Charles Kuhnrat says that scorekeeping stimulates us to create more of the positive outcomes we're keeping track of. It actually reinforces the behavior that created these outcomes in the first place. Think about it. Your natural inclination is to always want to improve your score. If you were to keep score on the five things that would advance your personal and professional objectives the most, imagine how motivated you would be each time the number improved in your favor. So you want to measure what you want, not what you don't want. We learn early in life that it's valuable to count what's valuable. We count the number of times we skip the rope, the number of jacks we pick up, the number of marbles we collect, the number of base hits we get in Little League, the number of boxes of Girl Scout cookies we sell. Batting averages in baseball tell us the number of times we hit the ball, not the percentage of times we didn't. We keep score mostly of what is good because that is what we want more of. When Mike Walsh at High Performers International wanted to increase his bottom line, he started keeping track not just of the number of enrollments his company was getting, but also how many cold calls employees were making, how many face-to-face -face appointments they set up, and how many of those appointments they turned into enrollment. Now, as a result of that kind of scorekeeping, Mike saw a 39% increase in the revenues in just six months. Now, this isn't just for business. When Tyler Williams joined a junior basketball league, his father, Rick Williams, co-author of Managing the Obvious, decided to counteract the usual negative focus of youth sports by creating a parent scorecard to keep track of what Tyler did right rather than what he did wrong. He tracked seven contributions his son could make to the team's success. Points, rebounds, assists, steals, block shots, and so on, and awarded Tyler one point every time he made one of these positive plays. Whereas the statistics kept by the coaches centered chiefly on points and rebounds, the two traditional forms of measurement used in junior, basket, uh, junior basketball, Tyler's dad's scorecard awarded points for virtually everything positive accomplished during the game. It wasn't long before Tyler was sprinting over during timeouts to check on his contribution points. When they reached home after the game, Tyler would hustle to his bedroom where he had a chart on the wall that plotted his progress. With a simple graph Tyler made by himself, he could see where he was improving. As the season progressed, the line on the graph went steadily upward. Without a single harsh word from his coach or his dad, Tyler had turned into a better basketball player and enjoyed 
the process in addition. So keeping score at home. Now, of course, scorekeeping isn't just for business, sports, and school. It can be applied to your personal life, too. In the May 2000 issue of Fast Company magazine, oh boy, Vinad Kosla, the founding CEO of Sun Microsystems, said this, It's great to know how to recharge your batteries, but it's even more important to make sure that you actually do it. I track how many times I get home in time to have dinner with my family. My assistant reports the exact number to me each month. I have four kids ages 7 to 11. Spending time with them is what keeps me going. Your company measures its priorities. People also need to place metrics around their priorities. I spend about 50 hours a week at work. I could get easily, I could work easily 100 hours. So I always make sure that at the end of it all, I get home in time to eat with my kids. Then I help them with their homework and play games with them. My goal is to be home for dinner at least 25 nights a month. Having a target number is key, because after all, I'm going to add this, you can't hit a goal if you don't know what it is. He says, I know people in my business who are lucky if they make it home five nights a month. I don't think that I'm any less productive than these people. So decide where you need to keep score in order to manifest your vision and achieve your goals. Now, I know I talk a lot about spark people, but it allows you to say how many minutes a week or a month, I think it's a week, do you want to exercise? And there's all sorts of other goals in there. Like I have one that tracks my sleep. And I'll talk about that in a second. But make sure to keep score in all the areas of your life, financial, personal, school, recreation and fun time, health and fitness, family and other relationships, personal projects, and contributions to others. Post your scores where you and others playing the game can easily see them. So this this ties in a lot with what we've talked about. A, keeping your goals visible to remind you B, when you do something positive, remind yourself of it. What did you? What do you like about yourself? Well, you can say, well, gosh, I, I made it home, this or that. And, and if what happens if you're not meeting your goals? Well, then it gives you the mirror right in your face to say, okay, how can I change this? So as much as we hate tracking our calories, and I don't really anymore. I did it first. It's like any new habit. You don't like it. It seems like a hassle. But... I'm telling you, when you look back and you see, wait a minute, I lost weight. I didn't lose weight here. What's the difference? And you've got all the data right there. You can say, ooh, my sleep was down two hours a night when I did that. So by tracking all this stuff, it allows you to logically see where you went wrong and not then shoot yourself for it, but come up with a new plan, a new strategy, and get back on track and work your way towards being more fit. All right. I, uh, a couple quick things here. Number one, I want to let you know that uh, how important sleep is. We've talked about this in the past, but this week I got hammered from every side there is to get hammered by. And one night I got about four hours sleep and today I got about five. And I cannot tell you how this makes weight loss so much harder. Number one, your body doesn't get a chance to replenish itself. In fact, I got a tip on this. I don't, I, I've only heard this from Jillian Michaels. She says, if you can, 
try to cut out as many carbs from your last meal because carbohydrates potentially limit the chemical that your body secretes at night when you sleep to rebuild itself. She's the only person I've ever heard say that, but that's interesting. But nonetheless, your body does rebuild itself while you sleep. And if you're not getting enough sleep, then you're cutting out the time that your body uses to rebuild itself. And after all, if you exercise, if you lifted weights, things like that, your body needs to rebuild itself. So you're you're ripping it apart, not giving it a chance to reap the benefits of that. Now, the other thing is when you're tired, it's a little bit like being drunk your inhibitions go to the wayside a bit. And I cannot tell you how I struggled on those two days. Uh, one of them was yesterday. And I call it the hamburger highway. When I live out in the country by the cows, but when I go into the city, I have to drive by KFC on the left, Taco Bell on the left, McDonald's on the right, uh, Burger King, if I go around the corner, Burger King and Wendy's. So that's it. And that's the major ones, right? Oh, and Pizza Hut is on the right-hand side as well. So I've got Wendy's, K, uh, Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC, all within about a block and a half of each other. And so when I was coming out of my school and it was cold and I was just tired and I I'd had a hard time staying awake in class, which is a whole nother thing. And I was hungry right there. And so as I was driving, what I ended up doing, and I was really mad that, because usually I have like a banana or something with me because I try to plan ahead because there are times when I'll go somewhere after school and if I don't bring something with me, I end up going three, four hours and my body's like, hey, it's time to eat. It's been three or four hours. And I really was seeing Hamburger Highway as a hurdle. And I was really thinking, well, you know, and especially now the KFC value menu, just taunting me, right? And I try to think of the Spartans movie. We talked about that 300 movie, you know, I will not bow, I will not pressure. And finally what I did was in between all those restaurants, there's a gas station. And I got out and A, because I was running out of gas, but B, shifting my focus from I'm hungry to holy cow, is it cold? enabled me to get by that because I had chicken breast waiting for me at home. And that's the other thing. That's another tip. I don't know why I haven't done this. Uh, I, I eat a lot of chicken breasts. I do, uh, here in Ohio, we have frozen, Tyson frozen chicken breasts. Um, if you're like me, and and uh, fresh obviously is better, but these are frozen. This is another thing. We're going to talk about reading labels. Ufa. Some of these... Uh, like our local, we have a, a food chain called Giant Eagle. And their chicken breasts have like literally like 700 grams of salt in them. Or 1,700, something ridiculous. And, and this Tyson is less. Not great, but less. And I've been cooking one chicken breast at a time. Now that takes about 15, 20 minutes on my Foreman grill, my George Foreman grill. I was like, hey dummy, here's a novel idea. Uh, there's room on the grill. Why not throw three chicken breasts on the grill and then you can just heat the other two up later so in the whole uh, I don't have time to cook I don't know what I was thinking there but or if you're like me um, I just ate one for lunch and it was kind of almost like eating a uh, an ice cream bar 
I just had this big hunk of meat I was eating because I didn't warm it up. I like cold chicken. I'm weird like that. So that's a cooking tip. If you're cooking something on a grill, like chicken or pork chops or whatever, uh, cook more than one and warm them one up later, and you'll cut your cooking time in, uh, shoo, you know, by over 500%, whatever 20 minutes to a minute takes or 20 minutes to nothing, <laughs> you'll eliminate your cooking time. Hey, I do have my... Oh, I lost the box. Uh, the Timex heart rate monitor came in. I, I do like it. That's my quick review. Oh, here's the box. La, 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 la. It is the Timex something something. All the model numbers on the front of it. But uh, I'm going to review that probably next week. My quick review is thumbs up, but I'll tell you why. And I, I did find one thing I want to change about it, but that's next week's podcast. What I want to talk to you now about is reading labels. And uh, this is from qualityhealth.com. How to read a food label. Number one, serving size. Serving sizes are standard, standardized as cups, pieces, slices, and other measurements. The serving side of a food is one of the most important and overlooked sections of the label. Sure, the pasta you had for dinner may have only had 100 calories per serving, but the standard serving size is half a cup of cooked pasta. If you had took if you had two cups of pasta, you actually consumed four servings or 400 calories. Now, I'll give you an example of this. And I heard about this on the Beyond Diet podcast. If you go to beyonddietpodcast.com. Because I use, I can't believe it's not butter spray. Now, if you look at this, it says zero fat, zero calories, zero this, zero, 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 zero. And I kind of always thought, how am I spraying nothing on my, because there's got to be something to this, right? The serving size is one spray, as in, okay, there you go. There's your serving. Enjoy that. Well, I'm sorry. When I'm eating my vegetables, I'll go, and I'm usually good. Now, if you look at the, if you get I Can't Believe It's Not Butter in the tub, uh, I have I Can't Believe It's Not Butter light in the tub. 50 calories per, I believe, tablespoon or teaspoon, something like that and five grams of fat. Now, fat grams are nine calories. So you take the fat grams, five, times nine, that's 45 calories. Of the 50 calories are fat. The rest of it was sodium. So I'm spraying fat and salt on my vegetables. So be very, very careful of the serving size. I know for a while, cans of soda, you know, be like 70 calories. Oh, and by the way, this can has two servings in it. Because, you know, when you're halfway through that can of Coke, you're like, oh, I got to put this in the fridge. I am full. Right. There's calories and calories from fat. Calories are measured on how much energy you get from the food. However, excessive calories, uh, I'm sorry, excessive caloric intake can lead to weight gain and obesity. Really? When looking at the calories listing on the label, consider the FDA recommended guidelines. 40 calories per serving is low, 100 is moderate, and 400 is more than high. Uh, nutrients. Limiting some nutrients while making sure you get enough of others can be tricky. Try to limit sugar, fat, and cholesterol by paying attention to the percent daily values and by choosing foods with low values in these areas, which is hilarious because on my yogurt here, it lets me know that I'm getting uh, 
7% of potassium and 4% of my carbs and 4% of my sodium. It doesn't tell me what my daily intake of sugar is or my daily intake of protein because I guess there isn't one. But anyway, the ingredients listed is listed quantitatively from the most to the least amount. Um, use the ingredients list to verify claims such as all natural. For example, in 2007, 7-Up was forced to remove its all natural labeling. The soda contained high fructose corn syrup, which of course we have realized is the sweat of Satan, uh, which is not considered natural because the chemical bonds in glucose and fructose are broken down and rearranged. So, for instance, on my yogurt here, I'm looking at Breyer's Fat-Free Light Strawberry. It starts off... Um, ingredients. Cultured, pasteurized, grade A, non-fat milk, strawberries, and strawberry puree. Food starch modified. Contains less than 2% of whey protein. Concentrate um, kosher gelatin. Natural flavors. Aspartame. Now, here's the fun one. Aspartame is a sugar substitute. But that sugar substitute isn't included, I don't believe, in the sugars. I don't believe so. I need to double check on that. But So, when you look at a, a box of Frosted Flakes and you see, you know, the first ingredient should be like, oh, I don't know, corn. And you see it's sugar. That wherever it's listed in the, you know, it lists the most used chemicals or nutrients first. Calorie-free, for those who count calories, calorie-free products can be a blessing. However, keep in mind that the FDA qualifies something as calorie-free if it contains less than five calories per serving. Oh, less than five calories. Although these amounts may be trivial, they can add up to more uh, the more you eat and drink. Now, fat-free, the requirements for labeling a food fat-free is that uh, it must be under 0.5 grams of fat per serving. As a result, the more servings you eat, the more fat you ingest. Also pay attention to the sugar content on low-fat products. Foods that are high in sugar, even if they're low in fat, can put fat on your midsection. The only way to circumvent these sneaky maneuvers is to read the label and the ingredients and make sure that, you're, that they're up to your standards. Now, the phrase low... This term varies by food product. Here's what low really means. Low fat means uh, 3 grams or less per, per serving. Low sodium is 140 milligrams or less per serving. Low saturated fat is 1 gram or less per serving. And that's horrible. Low cholesterol, 20 milligrams or less and 2 grams or less of saturated fat per serving. Key there is per serving. And that's how they you know, kind of trick you. They'll make the serving so small that it looks great. So let's take, for example, a product like Prairie Farms Low-Fat Cottage Cheese, which contains 2.5 grams of fat for a half-cup serving. It meets the low-fat requirements, but the fat content could potentially add up over time. Now, if you see something that's light or as in L-I-G-H-T or light, L-I-T-E, uh, like low, and by that I mean the the term low that we just talked about. Uh, these terms can also mean a few different things. Light could mean that the product has one-third less calories than the reference food, meaning the non-light version, which is often the original product or a similar competitor, which is interesting. Or it could mean that it has half the fat of the reference food. Again, check the labels to make sure light is keeping its promise. 
lean, if you see this on a label. It, this term is used for red meat, poultry, and seafood. Lean or extra lean is often used to gauge how healthy the product is. So lean, when it comes, this means the meat is less than 10 grams of fat, 4.5 grams or less of saturated fat, or less than 95%, I'm sorry, less than 95 milligrams of cholesterol in a serving extra lean. The meat should contain less than 5 grams of fat, less than 2 grams of saturated fat, and less than 95 milligrams cholesterol in a serving. Whole grains, we see this a lot. You know, whole grain this, whole grain that. Incorporating whole wheat in your diet can provide you with energy and lower your cholesterol. And many times things that are whole grain have more fiber, okay? But it says, but watch out. Some products that claim to contain whole grains or whole wheat may have nothing but refined flour as the wheat or grain. However, refined flour has none of the benefits that 100% whole wheat flour does. Check the ingredients list. Whole wheat flour should be listed first without other flours mixed in. Organic. This is like the new buzzword. Eat this organic stuff. I had some organic corn chips, and they still had a bunch of salt in them. Uh, more and more people are choosing organic foods, but many may not know exactly what they're paying for. The U.S. Department of Agriculture creates the guidelines, and the National Organic Program enforces the rules for what can be labeled organic. Here's the difference between 100% organic and organic. 100% organic means that the products can only contain organically produced ingredients. means there's no preservatives and things like that. Now, organic means that at least 95% of the ingredients listed must be organically grown. Keep in mind that the terms like natural or made with organic ingredients are not subject to the same regulations. So, as the demand for low-fat, low-calorie, and whole-grain foods increases, manufacturers are making more products to fill that need. However, amidst the healthy fat-free yogurts and the whole wheat pitas are foods that are misleadingly labeled. So you may think you're more than wholesome than they really are. So for example, uh, Pizzeria Uno ran an ad in 1995 claiming that it sold a great-tasting, low-fat, thin-crust pizza. It was forced to withdraw the low-fat claim because the pizza did not meet the 3 grams of fat per serving requirement. The pizzas actually contained 14 to 36 grams of fat per serving. So what's more, in the last decade, the Federal Trade Commission has confronted other major brands such as Haagen-Dazs frozen yogurt, um, Cremelita frozen dessert, and Danon yogurt for making false claims on calories, fat, and sugar in advertisements. All these companies, under the pressure from the FDA, have agreed to change their ads. So you can Google this. This is, again, at qualityhealth.com. But uh, also look out for the word hydrogenated. Many times they put all sorts of saturated and, in some cases, trans fat, which is like another, that's the flip side of Satan's sweat. One side is high fructose corn syrup. The other side is uh, trans fat. You don't want any of that. So be very, very careful. And what I usually do is I flip over a label. I look at the grams of fat. I multiply it by 9. I look at carbs, and I multiply that by 4. And likewise, you can multiply protein by 4 because a, a gram of carbs is 4 calories. A gram of protein is 4. But a gram of fat is 9. So, And keep in mind that 
again, it goes back to being balanced. It goes back to being balanced because in the late, what was it, the late 80s, early 90s, we all went low fat. And here in the U.S., we got fatter. So then we all went, oh, you know what? We're eating too many carbs. Oh, cut the carbs, cut the carbs. And we all lost some weight. And then when we went off the diet, uh, we got fatter than we were when we started. It's, you know, it, according to Spark people, it's about, um, I think it's 30% protein. Now here it is. It's um, 15% protein, 30, let's see, 30% fat, and 55% carbohydrate. That's their recommended. And that may be just for me. Uh, they do have a new feature, which is very cool, where at the end of the day, you can say, give me my full report, and it'll show you, hey, like the one day, most of my calories came from yogurt. I was like on a yogurt kick. And uh, so that's pretty cool. But uh, hey, that's going to do it for this edition of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Like I said, uh, I'll be talking about the Timex heart rate monitor on the next one. And also, you guys have been going crazy on the boards. I meant to get some of that in here today with requests for tunes and recommendations, things like that. So um, I, I have been, like I said, I got hammered this week. Actually, last week. This week should be better, and I should get more shows out, things of that nature. So thank you for, for commenting out of the forums and for emailing and things like that. Definitely we will be getting to those next week to keep us all inspired, to keep us all in track as we all track our progress to success. So thank you very much for tuning in, and... Uh, you know, stay focused. Stay focused. You can do this. And uh, I'll see you again real soon. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free in iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to do I guess I